Welcome to a new episode of the BookNet Canada podcast. I am Natalia Larcón, BookNet's Marketing and Events Manager. Today we'll be sharing an interview with Max Arambulo, bookseller and manager at Thai Books Junction. In our conversation, we talked about how to run a bookstore with equity and inclusion in mind, touching on topics related to representation, the creation of safe spaces, staff empowerment, community building, and so much more. Before we listen to the interview, I would like to set the stage by sharing some relevant data we have recently captured. According to unreleased data collected during the first half of 2023 from our Canadian Book Consumer Survey, Canadian book buyers actively search for books about a group or culture written by people from that group or culture, 22%. Books by Indigenous authors, illustrators, and about Indigenous peoples, 11% and 12%, respectively. From our free publication, The Canadian Leisure and Reading Study 2022, we learned that the book survey respondents read were about Black, Indigenous, or person-slash-people of color, 14%, disabled people, 10%, and LGBTQIA plus people, 8%, among others. What does this say about Canadian readers? The interest in diverse voices remains, and bookstores have an important role to play in making sure readers find the books they are looking for and championing titles by traditionally underrepresented authors. So with this in mind, let's hear the interview. Hello, Max. Thank you for joining us today for this exciting interview. We truly appreciate your time and willingness uh, to discuss inclusivity and equity in a bookstore setting. Before we dive in, um, let's introduce you to our listeners. Could you please share a little bit about yourself, your journey into bookselling, and your role at Thai Books Junction? Oh, my name is Max. I worked in book publishing, I guess, probably from 2009 until 2018. I worked at, um, you know, publishers like Simon & Schuster, Canada, Penguin Random House. I started at Fitzhenry & Whiteside, where I got an internship right after courses I took at Ryerson um, in the publishing program. Um, the publisher there sort of suggested that I try doing publicity work, which wasn't my internship, but she saw something in me that made me a good fit for that work. After that job, I quit eventually and started studies at U of T, University of Toronto, for psychotherapy and spiritual care. And as I was studying, I worked shifts at Type. I'd known the owners, Joe and Sam, and the manager at Queen, Kyle, you know, from my time doing doing book publishing. Um, so I worked there as I was studying. Pandemic happened. I got to keep on studying. I got to keep on working at the bookstore. Uh my clinical placement was at a hospital doing palliative care support and support across other um, units like ICU where I was doing short-term psychotherapy and spiritual care. So I'm finished school. I work, my plan was to work less at type after I finished school and, and move more heavily into that career. I ended up working more at type. 
last year or so at Type Junction at, um, at Dundas and Keel. And then it ended up uh, using some of those skills I had been learning, you know, like sort of conflict management, um, um, team building, community building at in my current role as one of the managers here at Type Junction. And I'm here now talking to you. That is that is such a unique way to intersect, you know, the world of publishing and books um, with the topic at hand, which I think it's like very, very related to um, your academic background and your actual profession. So I cannot wait to hear um, your thoughts and all these questions that we prepared for you. Um, so why don't we get us started with the first one? Um, so how do you, and I guess Thai books in general, actively promote inclusivity and equity within your bookstores community and customer base? So a lot of my uh, current training, my girlfriend's like, you got to stop training and stop learning and just get to doing. But sometimes that's hard for me to to get to the, the doing and it feels so safe to keep in the learning sometimes. But working with um, the book, My Grandmother's Hands by Resma Menicum. Um, I'm actually taking, I took a one week course with him in the fall and I'm taking a nine month course with him now. So it looks at racialized trauma and how when two bodies of a different pigmentation, different race, sort of come into contact with each other, um, body, as its own bracing, something happens in the nervous system, and how to not feel overwhelmed when the nervous system is activated, you know, sort of um, when history comes in or when um, uh, intergenerational trauma comes in, how to sort of notice what's happening in the body and stay there and not sort of go off the handle. So I guess one answer of how I personally promote inclusivity and um, equity, um, racial equity, is sort of by working on myself, uh, working on my body, um, knowing that, you know, working at a bookstore, there's randomness every day. Customers walk in, um, white customers, black customers, Asian customers, and knowing that um, who they meet in me will sort of affect their experience in the store, it might affect the way they leave the store and the rest of their day. So one way is by working on my own body and, and uh, realizing how I react, how I can use it for good, what's the, the charge in my nervous system, how I can, um, how I know people sometimes walk into public spaces feeling something telling their body that they don't feel welcome there. I try not to have that so that people come in and not feel that. Um, I mean, you asked me a question, how does the store do it and how do I do it? It's, it's different because I'm not the store necessarily. Um, not necessarily do my values line up exactly the same. Um, I try to like live out my own values in my work and in my personal life and to, to set a good example and to um, make it a welcoming space for everyone I come into contact with. So I guess one answer is working on myself, working on uh, how people uh, experience me, um, working with how sometimes I picture people experience the space. Um, so sometimes it's like 
not an explicit way of promoting inclusivity or uh, racial equity, but it's there in, in every way I sort of interact with people. Um, maybe some more um, straightforward ways is by sort of encouraging and empowering the people who work here to curate and bring in what they believe in. Um, you know, one thing I'm proud of is a type junction is the store with racial minorities of the three stores. Um, so how to sort of embrace that as a gift and as a blessing um, and name strengths. I guess um, maybe one other way is um, a lot of times I know, you know my experience working in publishing and in a bookstore that it's, um, how do I put this? Bookstores and publishing, um, I think the neutral, where the neutral from where the industries start isn't like a very diverse neutral, like <laughs> neutral is not diverse. So knowing that in my experience, like what that means to uh, to work with that, um, how when I was working with that, I, I didn't realize that these dynamics were at play. So now being a little bit more aware and knowing how those dynamics can affect people I'm working with. Um, so one way would be like if uh, if some of my coworkers uh, mention a, a charged encounter. Um, not one thing I strive to do is sort of witnessing their experience and not forcing them to explain what happened um, or to justify their experience, but just by um, sort of witnessing and listening. Which, you know, in my experience, sounds like a a small thing, but in a lot of different industries I've worked in. Um, seems to be like a rare thing. Absolutely. I completely agree, especially in an industry where customer service is at the core and where you are exposed somehow and you are supposed to deal with different types of issues and, you know, the customer is always right and all those ideas. And when you have difficult encounters, it's really really good when you feel supported by your manager, when you feel hurt, when you feel that they are believing you and that they have the tools to help you sort through different types of situations. So I I really like this approach because what I'm hearing is that you try to create safe spaces for yourself, for your staff, for your customers, and also lead by example, right? And like a lot of things, we experience that are really like charged and um, challenging and hurtful. It takes a long time to be able to put that into words <laughs> sometimes. And sometimes, um, you know, even like in a corporate space, can you tell me exactly what happened? No, sometimes you can't. I know it in my body and I know what it felt like. So uh, I know that that can be very powerful for um, um, people I work with. For me, it's been powerful. And I feel like um, creating that sort of um, health and safety and community, the next customer can be served by that when this person goes back on the floor, I hope, um, um, or the next sort of coworker they work with. Um, so, yeah, and it sucks because like a lot of times in book publishing, bookstores, words, words are like oftentimes a... Uh, um, highest valued thing and it's like for for people of color and for uh 
people on the margins is like, you know, it's, you know, how different intelligence we have, like our body, our senses, our, our, you know, use of imagination. So, um, I mean, I don't like often name all these things when I'm working with people because it's just things I'm working with deeply. Um, so usually it's like implicit in the way I like come to people. I love that we are talking about this and I think that people really need to hear this type of conversation. So thank you. Thank you for being so open. You're welcome. I mean, I, I worked in it for so long and it's like been painful for so long. So like to be able to have a little bit of distance and to be asked questions by you and like people is sort of a, it helps me too. Um, yeah. I appreciate that. So let's shift gears just a little bit. And why don't you tell us a little bit about the ways um, you curate books, if you do, um, your selection to ensure that diverse voices are well represented in your bookstore? And me personally being like Filipino-Canadian, I always try to, you know, sneak in um, books by Filipinos that have helped me in my life. Um, you know, Linda Berry, uh, who wrote Making Comics. Um, she's half Filipino. She's also my writing and drawing teacher. So I always make sure to have her books around. Um, I try to have books like, um, I mean, and then I also encourage like my black colleagues to have, uh, you know, to really make the black st studies section strong, powerful section make sure what's they're reading in their lives and affecting them is on the shelf. One of my colleagues, Olivia, sort of uh, takes an effort to read everyone else's staff picks. <laughs> so reading what each other brings into the store and knowing that each other is, um, you know, there is a diversity here too. There's that. What else? I, you know, in, sort of, um, I didn't encourage this. It was sort of a, uh, my colleagues who, colleagues like Jessica and Cleo, who uh, did this on their own, but they're going to do uh, a 50th anniversary of hip-hop window for the store for August. Uh, so they'll be, you know, highlighting blackness and um, black art and black thinkers. So it comes pretty, I mean, the people here are diverse. So I believe... Um, the books that show up on the shelves often are just extensions of who works here. Um, a lot of times, you know, again, it's a, maybe another implicit thing where you're you, Cleo, Jess, Olivia, Emily, Steph, Jill, bring in stuff that's like you and who you are. <laughs> and I appreciate each one of you. Uh, I, I'm glad I work with each one of you. Make sure you bring in books that represent your blackness. Um, that represent your gender identity uh, that you've been curious about. Yeah. Is that a, is that a full answer or <laughs> is there anything else you I, want to follow about that? No, I, I think, I think it's great. I think it's an, a wonderful way to, you know, empower your staff to engage them in the day to day and to also share those stories. There are, you know, like perhaps outside of the scope or the things that you know about, the things that you were saying earlier, a lot of us have different experiences, different upbringings, different interests. So it's really good to, you know, like just 
find out what is it that they are reading? What is it that they like? Is it, you know, related to their heritage? Is it related to their hobbies or whatever it is? And, and to bring that into the store and into their offerings. I think it's a really good way to, and to also, you know, by extension, offer um, just a wide range of titles to your customers as well, right? I think that maybe you have seen um, some of that, you know, like the impact of that strategy that you were just sharing earlier of, you know, engaging your staff into the selection of the books that you carry. Yeah, I mean, um, being like, there's one gentleman uh, comes in, sort of an older Filipino man, I guess like, you know, I don't know, older, maybe that's uh, me making assumptions, but sort of talking about um, sort of coming to more curiosity and and interest in his Filipino-ness and uh, um, talking about what he found on the shelves. I think, what was he reading now? America is the heart by Carlos Bulasan telling me about it and uh, seeing how, um, you know, sort of the experience of uh, a Filipino migrant in California sort of spoke, speaks to his experience in the workforce here in Toronto in, uh, you know, thousands. Um, and then, you know, being able to point him to more books uh, by Filipinos on the shelves. I, I did suggest one that to him recently that I was like, oh, I don't know if that was the right one later on. So hopefully he'll come back and be like, um, he'll either, either tell me I, it, didn't, it didn't impact him or he thought it was like um, not his taste. What else? I mean, um, you know, I run a, on our um, store Substack, we do a, um, a regular feature where we uh, interview customers, sort of like what you're doing with me right now, but we do it in sort of um, text. Um, and I know that, uh, you know, one of the hidden things that I do in that is trying to like interview people who aren't necessarily, you know, typical sort of neutral book buyer. So, um, it's inter- it's interviewing people of a later age or, uh, people of color or, um, um, that's just my sort of hidden agenda. Um, but you know, on a, a couple of occasions, um, one, um, the second we did was with a customer named Afra, uh, who was, a who was, um, from Somalia originally. And she talks about, um, sort of the impact of seeing books on shelves by black writers and by Latinx writers. And it wasn't necessarily what she knew at other bookstores. And, um, you know, her citing that as a reason she comes back to our store over and over. Um, yeah, so, so, um, we do see an impact and it is, um, it is important. Absolutely. Absolutely. I I mean, if I had a bookstore near me that had a section fully dedicated to Latinx books, I, you know, I will feel seen. I will feel more, um, encouraged to just keep going there. And I am familiar with the Substack. I'm going to be including a link actually, um, in the podcast notes so others can subscribe because I found it very interesting. I love that it goes beyond like book recommendations, you know, like this idea of interviewing customers. I think it's brilliant because sometimes I feel like maybe some booksellers don't take the time to get to know them. I feel like that is a really good opportunity to build those relationships. 
Yeah, it is. You know, sometimes I think through my day, like, you know, if it's a hard day, what do I actually like? Why am I here? Um, sometimes it's, you know, just seeing customers a little bit more deeply, especially if they're young people, which matters to me. I didn't realize it matters to me so much um, when a young person sort of, uh, um, you know, giving you their money for the first time, it seems like. It's, and I'm talking about like six, seven, eight-year-old people um, and sort of uh, asking them what they're buying, um, asking them if they want to recommend something forward. And um, and we encourage them to – we have a section of um, handwritten um, recommendations from young people in our store so that they can see that they um, – they can see a physical uh, example of, of them having an impact on the space. It's also, like, you know, sure, we can impact customers, but like I like the idea of it going the other way, too. Um, yeah, seeing the impact, you know, one hidden thing, a reason I do that uh, sort of interview, and actually um, other my other people on staff, too, have come have come and, and interviewed other, other customers, too, so it's not just me anymore, is just um, – so the staff here can also hear the impact that they're having on people. <laughs> and sometimes, um, you know, working in retail and customer service, it, I think there's like a underrated way that, especially a bookstore and maybe other, you know, libraries, bookstores, I'm trying to think of other places too, but the way that the people who do this work impact the people that come in too, I think um, that isn't often as recognized either. So, Yeah. Uh, absolutely yeah it makes total sense to just you know hear from their customers what is it that they love and perhaps it was something that they had an idea and now their customers are talking about or a book they thought that it would be important to um have available that's that's such a such a good thing to do to engage like different parties that relate to to the bookstore and build community, right? Ultimately, which I think it's like one of the things that it's like a big challenge for some booksellers, I believe. Um, but this yeah. shows that there are like big and small ways to create that community and cultivate that community. Sure, for sure. You know, just knowing what, just trying to like, you know, me and the staff here, you know, a lot of times talk about what community means, you know, treating people justly in small ways. Um, witnessing people, not forcing them to explain, encouraging strengths, um, and keeping people accountable at the same time and and sort of building like a fertile soil for things to emerge that we don't even know will emerge to. You know, a lot of times, you know, oh, we got to do this so that we can be more diverse. We got to do this. And I'm like, no, sometimes it doesn't work like that. Sometimes it's just building good, just relationships with each other and then what comes well what comes is like people bringing in books that they feel important and and feeling like enthusiastic and that matters and um and people read it <laughs> bring us their ideas um building community i know people say it a lot but um you know i'm learning about it too in this part of my life too uh it was something i sort of took for granted too because it's so slow sometimes and it uh uh it's so slow sometimes and hard to define and sometimes countercultural but i'm glad i'm 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 glad it didn't take my whole life to to like start learning and it took me you know till my, well till middle life i guess 
And talking about learning, one of our questions is actually related to this. Um, we we would like to know what strategies um, do you use to continuously educate yourself and your staff about these important matters related to diversity, equity, and inclusion? No, uh, in that one of the interviews with that I already mentioned it with Afra on the uh, Substack, uh, I guess it's the uh, our regulars column. Um, she shared an experience of working as someone with a neurodivergence and what helped her in her different jobs and what held her back in other jobs. Um, so she taught me a little bit about you know, how someone uh, who is uh, living with you know ADHD, like a lot of more structure or how, um, you know, using a, physical ways to, to keep notes or to organize was really powerful or that physical work was um, something that fit her better than um, maybe more, um, I don't know, less physical work, I guess. Um, and so I was like, oh, how will I use that knowledge when I'm, as I'm working more with, you know, people with different, um, different, uh, styles, different needs, different strengths. Um, you know, so I guess the customer taught me something <laughs> about it. And it was, a, it was a, you know, I was sort of sneaky about it because I was thinking about that question already. Um, you know, what does it mean to work with, uh, um, you know, someone with a, who might, you know, have um, characteristics of bipolar or characteristics of borderline or characteristics of ADHD? Like, I was like, what, what am I, I going to do? You know, I know about it maybe in my other life where I'm working as a therapist with a client, but if I'm working in customer service and retail or if I go back to a corporate setting, what are the ways that I'll need to um, adjust myself? Um, so I guess learning from the customers, uh, learning um, what each of, my, uh, each of my coworkers sort of needs. I think that's, a, I think that's one part of equity is um, I, I think a lot of times um, – in you know, at least in my experience, in a corporate setting, um, a manager or someone in power thinks equity is treating everyone the same, instead of valuing how they can use a different style for each person's strengths and and adjusting the relationship. Um, it's that weird thing where um, you know easy to like use the same brush for everybody but like identifying each person like uniquely and individually so I guess the long answer is I learned from a I learned from a customer once and I keep learning from customers all the time so that's really awesome I love this um you know like this way of engaging with your customers and hearing them and uh you know like not just like you know in a performative way, but in a way that you took action and you shared that knowledge. So I, I think that's, that's really what, that's really great. And it sounds that like you are very intentional about it, that you are sort of in, a, in an active listening mode when you are talking with your customers. And I bet that they really appreciate that. You know, sure. Like her, her uh, answer led me to different books, you know, in the store, you know, it sort of mm -hmm. led me to, uh, you know, reading on um, 
no codependent no more uh, you know self-help psych- psychology book about like um codependence and uh you know sometimes i've seen relationships and workspaces that look like codependence i'm like okay what should i do there if there's these tendencies or um different books on um borderline pers- personalities or so funny her interview just led me to more books in the bookstore um uh and i guess like uh, just recent formal training again is like just um that uh my grandmother's hands the uh book by resma medicum and his course on somatic abolitionism um so that's maybe more fo- like that's a more formal answer of uh how to um learn my style of anti-racism and how to put that into into the workplace and sometimes i'm explicit with my coworkers about things i learned in that course and sometimes it's just um walking around with the learnings and and acting sort of uh, equitably and justly uh, you know mhm subtle ways that you're putting that in practice pretty much yeah yeah mhm mhm well actually i'm talking about your this staff um uh one of our questions it's actually uh related to building a diverse and inclusive staff and how it's crucial for creating a welcoming environment something that we've talked earlier um and we were wondering if you can share sort of your approach to recruiting and also to fostering a team that embraces those values um and reflects the community that you serve diversity of the staff was here when I got here. So that's a boring answer, I guess. Um <laughs> uh you know, I haven't been here. I've been here maybe two years. Um and there hasn't been a new high oh well, it's been there hasn't been a new hire who's like, you know, of a visible minority. I mean, one answer is um you know, I told you maybe at the beginning uh of this that uh, my goal after i finished my studies was to work here less bookstore and work more on in my uh, psychotherapy practice or in that part of my life um but then an opportunity came up to work here more at the bookstore and one of the my motivations was looking around and noticing that it was a really diverse bookstore where i could be of service to really like support people that were here like that i cared for and that I really enjoyed being around and maybe I could make an extra effort in um working here being around them being curious about who they were pointing them and encouraging them to um highlight their blackness or highlight um highlight uh their nine the fact that they were uh, non-binary um so that was my choice <laughs> Uh, I mean there's probably like tons of other reasons why I um stuck around and and couldn't you know but uh yeah something about I really wanted to be here and and support that and be curious about it um and part of me thinking I was well suited to that and part of me maybe nervous that that wouldn't happen if I stepped away I mean that's sort of maybe a egocentric type of thing to think but uh, uh oh you know that uh my colleague uh, Jess um she's been trying to focus on doing author interviews for our Substack right now and she just did an interview with um Caleb Azuma Nelson who wrote Open Water the new book um so I've really been encouraging her and 
I don't know if she needs the encouragement. She's been making an effort to to do interviews with um, um, authors of color, um, sort of in-depth interviews, which I think is a rare thing. I don't think there's a lot of bookstores who have long-form interviews um, anywhere, you know, on their in their uh, marketing outreach. So that's one way. I know um, Leo, who has experience working at um, the Guiling here in Toronto, and is a you know sort of an expert at uh, graphic novels. Um, I know they, you know, ha- make a real effort on um, having a lot of uh, graphic novels with uh, queer characters, characters of color. And I guess also um, collaborating with some of the uh, neighborhood businesses. We had a um, we have a restaurant nearby called Tam, uh, which specializes in Vietnamese comfort food and street food that's not seen in other parts of the city. And uh, we really liked their business. And one time we had uh, a promotion to have their staff do staff picks that would live in our store. And if those staff picks were purchased, they would get a discount on their food. I don't know if that had a huge monetary impact, but it sort of was one of the first things to strengthen the relationship between us and that restaurant. Um, maybe there'll be further opportunities to do, um, you know, different like uh, lunch and, and book reading events or, um, and there's a, a sort of a, a, there's a bakery nearby called uh, Noctua. Um, and uh, Daniel there, he's a, he's a really, um, he's one of our, you know, he's basically family here. Um, and we're going to collaborate with him later in the fall when we have our sort of fifth anniversary for the store. Um I think he'll either create a cake for us or, you know, bring food to whatever celebration we have. So we've also been making an effort to uh, collaborate with, with different um, businesses here in the neighborhood, which, um, you know, who are, who are highlighting their own cultures. That is so cool. So cool. And not common, I believe. I feel like this is probably the first time that I'm hearing of a collaboration between a bookstore and a restaurant. And I bet like the people at the restaurant were probably also very happy about collaborating with a business that you know it's part of their community as well yeah and it's like i mean two things maybe i'll say to that is like they were so excited to just pick books <laughs> you know to someone who like works at a bookstore it's sort of you know i, I sort of like i'm like i gotta write another i gotta write another recommendation and put it up in the store but you know to them they were really excited to participate the staff there and like you said community building like earlier like I don't know where this thing is going to lead. I don't know. If it's, I don't think it's going to be huge right at the beginning. Uh, but building something, starting somewhere small, starting somewhere fun, starting somewhere genuine, curious with, with them, you know, maybe we'll talk and like, maybe there'll be another podcast and we have like down the line. And then this thing grew into something way bigger. But, you know, those are some of the first steps, first things that we've been doing with, um, um, you know, people we sort of love and enjoy in the neighborhood. That sounds super fun. So there's a question that I really want to get to, and it's about um, how do you handle feedback from customers who would like to see more diversity on the bookshelves while also taking into consideration budget, inventory, and space limitations, which from what I've heard are some of the reasons why a lot of bookstores, you know, usually say like, oh, we don't carry those books because, you know, like we are small, we don't have the space. So how do you handle that? I mean, 
be honest, if someone, if a customer <laughs> recommends something and it's someone I sort of trust and it's uh, someone whose tastes I'm curious about, I order a couple in the store. Um, it doesn't seem like I think too hard about, you know, I don't know if the owner is going to kick my ass about it or anything like that, but I don't think too hard about about the downside of ordering ordering something that a, a customer gives feedback about. I mean, I feel like the other way, if like customers are open, um, and it's not every customer. Sometimes I'll listen to a customer and, and they'll say something and I'm like, that doesn't work at all. Like, I don't even know what that, that's not coming in. I'll say maybe that is coming in and I won't do it. But, uh, <laughs> usually like the people, like the, the people I've started to trust, um, uh, the people who I see regularly, the sort of, you know, like the community thing me and you were talking about where we see each other pretty often. We trust each other. We're like curious. Um, I think that's like a, it's, sort of like a secret weapon if they're like going to tell me to bring or suggest to me oh you should read this um you might like this like i'm like oh well that helps that's sort of like a shortcut even (laughs) um you know like um i'm trying to think of one recently um i mean you know part of uh that interview series we have is you know customers giving us reviews um so you know afra uh reminding us to have lots of copies of Wash Day Diaries in uh, the graphic novel about uh, a group of um, black female friends who, you know, wash each other's hair and and sort of go through um, their uh, personal lives and problems together. You know, we had it on the shelf, but her reminding us to get more on the shelf and to have it there pretty often. Uh, Or um, Daniel from Noctua, um, you know, coming in and telling us, Suggesting which books, cookbooks and baking books, um, really um, inspire him, and making sure we have books like um, the Malta cookbook on hand all the time, and and uh, reminding us that you know the Junction is historically Maltese. I'm like, oh, good thing this customer is here to keep me in check and to remind me. So I don't think it's that hard. I think it's like <laughs> listening, um, trusting. Um, building community so that people feel like free to suggest and recommend and participate. Um, and then doing the whole thing over again. I love that approach. And sort of on the flip side of things, um, how do you handle issues related to censorship or challenges um, with caring books that address sensitive or controversial topics? while it's still upholding the values of inclusivity and intellectual freedom. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah. <laughs> tough. It's like <laughs> you know, it um you know, maybe one challenge we've seen is like customers coming in post pandemic and sort of asking for things that challenge um the way COVID was handled or or you know, that sort of maybe um, debunk some of the science about how dangerous and 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 hurtful and uh, challenging the uh, pandemic was. So, what do you do in that kind of situation? Or sometimes um, the other way, where um, I remember customers, you know, um, young female Muslim customers coming in and asking and challenging and pushing back about um, having Salman Rushdie very visible on the shelves. What's the answer to that? You know, I guess it's, and each person who works at a bookstore, you know, has a different, you know, 
history threshold, uh, different ways they get activated. <laughs> and uh, someone who's, uh, you know, approached by a certain customer, another person might react in a different way. How do we do it? I mean, it's a good question. It's maybe, um, maybe I would say it starts with like caring, you know, maybe the first step to dealing with that is caring for each person I work with because I know that when that happens, those moments happen, they're really charged, they're really challenging, they can escalate really easily, um, they can leave people, you know, wounded and hurt. So maybe the first step I would do is um, trying to build strong bonds and strong uh, connections amongst our team here, not in a way that puts us against them, you know, customer-wise or and, and staff-wise, not like that, but making sure that people are supported, that they can feel, you know, safer when the, when they're in the unknowingness of uh, of any shift, um, not giving tools to to not escalate things, and giving people permission to step away from conversations um, if they need to. Um, giving people tools like, you know, reminding them that they can de debrief with certain people on the team, too, if anything comes up. And just, you know, sort of acknowledging that that's part of, of um, you know, there's a lot of gifts that come with, like, working here. Um, there's a lot of challenges, too. And um, I guess there's no, there doesn't seem to be, a, like, a straight answer to uh, to that particular challenge. But um, yeah, what do you think about that answer? No, I I think it's really good. And I also think that, you know, I feel like it changes from scenario to scenario. Like I I don't think there's like a one solution to address these issues. I feel like, um, like, yes, you can have, you know, like some training or some tools available, but everything depends on the situation. Like if you're with others, you're going to feel a little bit more supported. If maybe it's just you, I don't know, like opening the bookstore and then you have like a difficult encounter, like that changes um, the whole situation. So, I mean, maybe one like, like sort of my concrete thing is uh, we have sort of a, um, what do you say, um, sort of like a, oh, a statement of values that we have posted at the front of the store um, that we all sort of crowd, like, I sort of crowdsourced it from our team or like we came up with a definition together where it says, uh, I can't read it to you right now. I don't have it handy, but it's posted there, you know, abuse from any side or anything from like from staff to customers or customer to staff, you know, that's not allowed or that won't be, that won't be taken lightly. Um, it has something like if, if you need, if you feel like you want to go to, to uh, um, the owners, it has the owners sort of, um, contact information there so there's something visible there that um, we have on hand that we created together um, and that we all sort of believe in um, and that's there always near the cash register and that sort of came out of um, some challenging interactions too so always new things that we're trying to trying to do to uh, um, keep customers safe keep us safe keep it open um, I really like that because I feel like something like that sets the tone, um, you know, like people who maybe are thinking that they can do whatever they want or say whatever they want, they're going to think twice before actually, you know, doing it, saying whatever it is they want to say. And also as, you know, as a customer, if I see that I'm going to feel 
like, oh, they actually thought about this, you know, like maybe I am actually in a space that is as safe as they can, you know, like make it. Um, so I think it works in for, you know, like different purposes. Yeah. Yeah. It's helped a lot. I think we've reached the end of our questionnaire. Was there anything else that you wanted to share? You know, I don't know. Maybe I'd say um, I'm really thankful for the people I work with right now, the team I work with right now at the store. Um, I don't take that for granted. It doesn't always seem like in my life where I've been somewhere where every everybody I generally look forward to seeing um, and where I see them working well with, <laughs> with themselves. Um, so I don't know. Maybe it's just, uh, oh, I'm in a good situation right now, and, uh, you know, it hasn't always been like that. It won't maybe last my whole life, but right now it's pretty good. We've reached the end of this conversation. So thank you, Max, for joining us today. We are incredibly grateful for your time and willingness to share your knowledge with our listeners. To everyone tuning in, we hope you enjoyed this interview as much as we did. Thank you so much. Thanks for um, talking with me. Yeah, thank you, Max. Before I go, I would like to take a moment to acknowledge that BookNet Canada's operations are remote and our colleagues contribute their work from the traditional territories of the Mississaugas of the Credit, the Ojibwe of Fort Williams First Nation, the Anishinaabeg, the Haudenosaunee, the Wendat, the Mi'kmaq, and the Métis, the original nations and peoples of the lands we now call Beaton, Brampton, Guelph, Halifax, Thunder Bay, Toronto, and Vaughan. We encourage you to visit the native-land.ca website to learn more about the peoples whose land you are listening from today. Moreover, BookNet Canada endorses the calls to action from the Truth and Reconciliation Commission of Canada and supports an ongoing shift from gatekeeping to space-making in the book industry. The book industry has long been an industry of gatekeeping. Anyone who works at any stage of the book supply chain carries a responsibility to serve readers by publishing, promoting, and supplying works that represent the wide extent of human experiences and identities in all its complicated inter intersectionality. We at BookNet are committed to working with our partners in the industry as we move towards a framework that supports space-making, which ensures that marginalized creators and professionals all have the opportunity to contribute, work, and lead. We hope that our work, including this podcast, helps to create an environment that supports that shift. We will also like to acknowledge the Government of Canada for their financial support through the Canada Book Fund. And of course, thanks to you for listening.